This is Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. Your host, Carl Valeri, has over a decade of experience counseling pilots. Aviation Careers Podcast will help you navigate towards your aviation career goal. Here is your host, Carl Valeri. Well, folks, welcome to a special edition of Aviation Careers Podcast. This is Carl Valeri, and I'm here with my friends at GoJet Airlines. These folks are some very inspirational people, very informational, and very transparent. That is part of what we are here at Aviation Careers Podcast. Welcome to the podcast to Myrna Rodriguez, uh, Executive Pilot Recruiter of GoJet Airlines. Welcome. Thank you for having us. And also the Assistant Chief Pilot, Jason Duvarney. Uh, welcome. Thank and, you. And we are so excited to have you here. You know, we're here on live on the campus at Polk State College. And, uh, of course, we love to partner with many different airlines, including GoJets. GoJets actually is an airline I've been following for a long time. They started out in uh, 2005, uh, and now they are have over 290 flights, close to 300 flights, 80 destinations and about 54 aircraft from what I counted last on the website. Uh, right. And they are truly uh, a rapid riser right now. The reason we're, we're speaking today, though, is about some of the opportunities at GoJets, both for pilots, primarily we're talking pilots, but also we want to know about some of the other opportunities. People here at Aviation Careers Podcast, of course, they are interested in all aviation careers. And it just It's not just the pilots that make it fly. It's the mechanics, dispatchers, and flight attendants and everybody, management, et cetera. Absolutely. Um, when I go to career fairs, I always tell those who are, especially aviation-specific career fairs, that um, aviation and airlines are just like any other company. We have finance, we have HR, we have communications, we have marketing. So if you really do love aviation and want to get involved and you're not a pilot or you're not um, an FAA certificate holder in the aviation community, no problem. There's always a job for you. So um, it's definitely beyond pilots. Um, obviously, that's the need right now as we see in the industry, um, but it's, I mean, whatever you want to do, airlines are the same as every other company. And, and that's, it's a, that's a great uh, statement there, and that's one thing I like about you folks coming here is you're not just promoting GoJets, you're, you're promoting this industry, and you truly are passionate about aviation, which I think is wonderful, so thank, thanks for joining us. Um, one of the things that I, I'd like to answer, though, first is GoJets. Who is GoJets, and, and what, what do they do? Where do they fly? All right, GoJet is a regional uh, airline that operates flights for United Airlines and Delta Airlines. Our crew bases are Denver, uh, St. Louis, which is also our headquarters, Chicago, O'Hare, Detroit, and Raleigh-Durham. And out of each of those bases, we kind of have our our, uh, basics of of who we operate for. So for Denver and Chicago, it's, it's... 100% 100% United Airlines flying. Detroit is 100% Delta. And then out of Raleigh and St. Louis, we operate for both carriers. The aircraft that we fly are the CRJ 700 and CRJ 900. Um, like you did say, we have 54 of the aircraft. And we just keep them busy. <laughs> so if somebody is looking at the airline as a career, uh, and usually it's the excitement of not just flying, but also going to these cool destinations, what are some of the maybe the cool places you guys actually fly to? You know, I, I'm a former corporate pilot, and when I decided to come back to the airlines two years ago, my one of my concerns was I'm, I'm going to step away from doing these uh, mountain destinations. I, I really love taking the, the business jets and going into Eagle, Colorado, and 
Telluride and, and these, these beautiful mountain destinations. And fortunately with GoJet, we do have quite a few of those destinations. And another nice benefit of the airline is we fly coast to coast. And we've got layovers in San Jose, uh, Pasco, Washington, Miami, Florida. So we go everywhere. Um, but for me, it was, it was very nice to be able to stay with the, the destinations in the Rockies because I like going out on layovers and going for hikes and, and going and seeing those views. It's, it's really enjoyable. One question that comes up often is when I do fly for GoJets and there's the United and then there's the Delta system, uh, if I'm a pilot, do I just stick with just one system or can I go to the, both of those systems? When you're a reserve pilot, and you've certainly discussed that on the show, the difference between reserve and line holder, you're going to fly both carriers. We're going to deadhead you to a different base to operate for Delta one day, maybe United the next. Uh, if you're built a trip, like a four-day trip, you'll only fly for the one carrier, which is nice because it, it helps keep the PA straight. Um, when when you're a line holder and you're based in one of our three bases that are dedicated to the carrier, then you will only fly for that carrier. And we have some people that like it that way. The, the, it's nice having the mix in St. Louis and Raleigh. You could fly for both carriers. Um, it's, it's really up to you what you want to do. So what you said about getting the PA straight, that's where I learned long ago just to mention the flight number instead of the airline because I've done that where I've announced that we're United Flight so-and-so, and it was a Delta flight. Yes. And the flight attendant came up, and she took one of the things off the back of the seats and handed it to me. It was <laughs> real, my, I was beat red after that. Yeah. So, yeah. But what's really cool about that is you do get to go to so many different places, which is actually awesome. Uh, it really kind of opens your, your mind to so many different worlds within the United States. You know, some people just know the East Coast, and now they're going to get to see the mountains. You mentioned mountains, too. That's another part of it, is that there's some challenges flying in the mountains compared... We're sitting in sunny Florida, by the way, uh, on Polk State College, Lakeland, Florida. Thank there's, you for that. Yeah. <laughs> and we're glad to have you here, because it's like one degree where you are right now. <laughs> From Cleveland and Minneapolis, it's, it's definitely a lot colder there, so we're nice, it's nice to be in, in Lakeland today. But there's some challenges with that. The, that we don't get the mountain flying here uh, that you get up there. And I, I know you're in the pilot recruiting and actually do some training. So what type of challenges would there be for somebody that has done most of their flying here in the Florida climate? And also, uh, what can they do to prepare themselves? Yeah, well, one of the things that I, I know you have to talk to a lot of your students about down here is density altitude. And that's because of the hot temperatures in the summer. And that's, that's a good backbone to have because that's really one of the, the biggest limiting factors when we're flying the high altitude, um, especially in the summer. You know, the, the aircraft has maximum temperatures it can take off at, and it's all correlated or based off of ISA temperatures, so international standard um, temperatures. So we have to do the math before a flight to, to ensure we're able to get that airplane off the ground or configure it appropriately for the takeoff. And when you're flying w uh, east of the Rockies, it's... it's normally not an issue in, in most airliners, but uh, when you start dealing with takeoffs from 7,000 feet, 8,000 feet in the summer, it, it becomes quite limiting. And that's one of the great benefits of the CRJ-700 is we're able to do those flights. And it keeps you sharp. It, it, it keeps you up on, on your skills for sure. And it's, it's really valuable. Uh, obviously, turbulence is a factor out there, learning how to uh, cross ridges and, and predict where the... Um, the, the turbulence might be uh, low altitude flying over the mountains, uh, 
learning how to uh, interpret our our DDs and DPs, our drift downs and depressurizations, and and uh, making sure that we have safe bug outs and stuff for for over our our flights. All all of that is an everyday thing for us, and it it really does help you have a better understanding. Uh, one thing that I bring up quite a bit in interviews, especially if I'm interviewing a direct entry captain, is how to appropriately circle the land in in a mountainous terrain and what happens if you have to go mist uh are they are they taking a look at the actual terrain around there we talk about obstacle departure procedures uh pretty heavily to to make sure you understand how to operate within the system because it's it's things you just don't deal with when you're flying in the flatlands so these are basic IRFR things that you would know on an oral exam and then in Florida you forget about. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> so yep. that's what you really need to, to bone up on. I'm glad glad you brought that up. Some really cool technical flying, uh, and, and that's great. Let's shift focus to why would someone want to think about going to GoJet Airlines. Let's start with a pilot. Why would a pilot want to think about going to GoJets? Well, my background is <laughs> it's always kind of funny when I, when I go this direction, but I really did not enjoy my first regional airline and it's it's because i spent a lot of time sitting reserve I, I was with the airline for a little over two years before my furlough and i was on reserve the entire time and i commuted to reserve the entire time so when i decided to come back to the industry i i applied at a lot of regionals i talked to a lot of people interviewed was hired at um at, at quite a few of them and i ended up making my decision on gojet because you know even as a direct entry captain it i knew that i would become a line holder as a direct entry captain at about the two-year point and that's that's been realistic I, I can hold a line right now um, yeah I knew that I could deal with the reserve life uh, for a couple of years if I came in as a first officer though we have first officers who spend maybe two weeks on reserve which is mind-blowing that in they get to a high quality of life quickly we're talking 15 17 day off lines uh, within a few weeks which is really impressive and it's it's partly because of our staffing model, but it, it, it gives them the good life quick, you know, as, as far as having, having that good schedule, having the time home, uh, getting to where they have good bidding arrangements quickly. Uh, but really, ultimately, what made my decision was, and I think it's very important for people to do, is just not to follow your friends, but to, to build relationships at all airlines. And I spent years networking, and, you know, I... I really didn't have an intention of coming back to the regionals. My my goal has always been and, and will continue to be to go to a legacy airline. And I called my friends all over the industry. And I, after I interviewed and uh, was offered jobs and, and asked to talk to their friends, find people who are in similar situations to me, uh, find other direct entry captains to talk to and, and see, you know, what's the truth? Because there's always rumors online. But what's, what's really going on in the inside? And what I found quickly was largely people were quite happy. Most, most people I talked to at this airline really enjoyed their job, enjoyed what they were doing. And these were complete strangers that were going to benefit nothing. We, we do have a $10,000 referral bonus, but I started off the bat telling them, hey, you're not going to get it. I've already told my friend Craig that he's going to get it, which he didn't because he got hired at Delta as soon as I passed IOE. But he... You know, they, they weren't going to gain anything from it, so they gave me the good, bad, and ugly about the company, and my decision was made based off of that, and I'm very happy I came this direction. So what were people saying as far as the good? I mean, as far as the people that you were talking to and you heard from these people that were there already? Uh, the good was, for me, the, the most important thing was 
that I would get to the quality of life that I wanted quickly. And, and quickly for me as a direct entry captain was 18 months to two years being a line holder. That was, that was important. But besides that, um, being able to be recognized for your talents, um, which has uh, benefited me immensely, and just being treated like uh, a human. I wasn't a number, and, and that was important. It was, it was nice to know that you could be known for who you are at this company, and you could be recognized for your skills, like I just said, but you would call crew scheduling and you, you know, they'd know your name. They wouldn't, they wouldn't know you as you know, your, your five-digit employee number, which my previous airline was absolutely massive. And you know, I know that I'll go back to that one day, but it was important for me to go somewhere where I could develop relationships and um, make great friends, and, and that's happened. So Myrna, from the you know the why go jets, we we've heard from a pilot flying here, and and you interact with many different people on many different levels, both pilots, uh, flight attendants, mechanics, dispatchers, etc. Um, before we talk more about the pilot why, uh, why are people choosing go jets? I think because of the culture. Um, I think that has a lot to do with it, which is one of the reasons why I chose GoJet. I was previously with another carrier and have come over to GoJet recently. Um, it's a very inviting culture. Um, everybody is very sympathetic, empathetic. They care about you, and I think that is huge. Um, life happens, and so when life happens and you're on a plane going to St. Louis for a flight, um, and you know something like that happens, GoJet will really do everything. And I've seen in the short time that I've been here that they will do everything that they can to make sure that you are covered, that they are covered. It's not just the self-interest of GoJet. It's, you know, of their employees. And in the recruiting department, they have shown me a lot of the family feel that I like to be in the environment of. Everybody kind of takes care of everyone. Um, and career progression, like Jason was saying, is huge. Um, you're definitely, you know, if you're looking for a pilot opportunity, you're going to want to find a position and, and company that has progression and that has some movement. Um, we're utilizing all of our 54 aircraft um, and we're expanding our route structure, which says a lot about what's going on in the industry right now. So as far as somebody who's looking at GoJets in general, and I think this is really important, you both brought this up, is the culture at any airline you go to. It's not just about the flying. Uh, the career progression is important, but uh, you don't want to be miserable going to work every day. Absolutely. And that is just not at our regional level. That is going into the majors. Um, if you look at the United, the Americans, the Deltas, the Southwest, the JetBlue, they all have a specific culture and a large part of their interview process is does this pilot you know they have the hours on paper that's great everybody's going to have the hours but does this pilot fit into our culture do they represent us well when we put them out there in their uniform whether it be whatever uniform that they wear whether it's a pilot's flight attendants maintenance customer service will they represent us to our core values and I think that is kind of a turn in the industry as of recent and then maybe last five years um so it's really about the culture and, and the relationship that you get with the recruiters. All of our recruiters are so hands-on. Like one of our recruiters, Jeannie, she, she follows them so far in their career, which is awesome because she's making sure that they feel good. And 
what we like to do is if they have any problem throughout their career at GoJet, they're able to come back to us and we're able to help them. I think that's so important and that we not only invest in their career, but we invest in them personally. So so that is something that uh, I'm so glad you brought this up because it's something I think we don't stress enough is in your career in general is looking at the culture of the airline. It's always been there at every airline. Mm-hmm. Uh, is some stress it more than others, uh, but it's really, really important because if you go towards an airline that you maybe don't fit in with, you, you may not be as happy as somewhere that you do fit in with. Also, there's other things that we look at when we start you know, looking at an airline I might want to work for. Uh, part of those are things monetary. So it's sometimes hard to discuss, but let's let's go there for a second. Okay. Uh, right now, we look at a lot of the regional airlines giving away bonuses uh, and looking at signing bonuses, et cetera, and certain benefits. Uh, what is it that you have to offer, not just monetarily, but also career progression to a new pilot that's looking to get hired? As far well, our bonus is, is pretty high. Um, our our first officer bonus is fifty one thousand, paid over three years. Uh, so that's actually pretty high in the industry. Um, as far as flying, you're obviously going to fly a lot. Um, we're utilizing all of our aircraft. We're expanding our route structure. As Jason said in the beginning, we have added um, a few destinations, um, West Coast and California. Um, so you're definitely going to fly a lot, um, which obviously if you fly a lot in the beginning as an FO, you're only going to get to that left seat faster. So, um, definitely have those opportunities. Um, for direct entry captains, we actually are rolling out our new bonus. So it's 45,000 instead of our 30,000 plus additional opportunities. So we like to make sure that anyone who's been in the industry or anyone who has, um, industry experience, they're compensated as well. So we have like an early seniority program that we offer. We have an experience match program that we offer an additional $5,000 for scheduled carriers. If you're coming from a scheduled carrier, we offer, um, long, longevity match as well. So if you are coming from another carrier or have that carrier experience in your past, you may be able to come in at that pay. So it's not just a flat rate, all FOs come in at the 3742 first year first officer pay. So there's other opportunities based on your experience that you'll be able to have, you know, monetary as well as just career progression. Let's put a little more color to something you've been mentioning as this is this direct entry uh, captain. We've mentioned it a few times. We kind of understand the concept a little bit, but let's flesh it out. What is a direct entry captain? So I am a direct entry captain, and it was important for me. I I assumed coming back into uh, regional 121 flying that I was going to be a first officer. And and most of the airlines I interviewed at, they they did tell me, hey, come in as first officer, and as soon as the next upgrade class rolls around, you'll be able to upgrade. And that was a nice benefit to have. Uh, But what GoJet did for me was extend the offer of direct entry captain. This is before bonuses and everything. So I came in, I was the last class to to not have a bonus. The class following me, they started doing a $12,000 direct entry captain bonus. And that's now, uh, as of next month, going to be $45,000. So we're excited about that. The incentives are incredible. And for a guy like me that had a... um, a nice corporate job to to make the transition back to 121 and for me it would have been a pay raise but to not take a pay cut as you so often do in this industry is is really enticing and uh, really beneficial um, a direct entry captain someone comes in with all of the experience necessary so when I got hired on at GoJet I had about 5,000 hours flight time I had um, uh, 
plenty of Turbine PIC already, but although that's not a requirement, uh, we follow the guidelines that the FA puts out for a direct entry captain program. So, yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. We, 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 we cite the regs <laughs> a lot. Um, but there's a lot of, a lot of um, things. When, when I came in as direct entry captain, I came in with 906 hours of CRJ time. That's, that's what I got in my two and a half years or so that I had at my previous regional. Um, I need to have 1,000 hours of 121 experience. So I was able to leverage some of my 135 flying. Um, there's multiple 135 categories, I guess, flight time. Uh, there's, if you're scheduled 135, your PIC time. So even someone flying um, like Cape Air, for instance, Cessna 402, if they're a captain, that time does qualify towards our upgrade program. Now, if all your time is Cessna 402, you know, maybe it's it's not, you're, you're probably not ready to be captain of a uh, CRJ just because of the speed changes. There, there's a lot of challenges, altitude, things like that that come and get a little time as an FO and then upgrade, but still it could be very, very rapid. Um, that time's incredible. My, my time at Cape Air that I had was incredible. It's an awesome airline um, and it sharpened my skills dramatically, but there's, there's some definite differences there moving up to a, a large regional jet. So we take that into account. Uh, so it's not always just straight minimum FA stuff. Um, so getting the thousand hours of SIC Part 121 or various PIC 135 commuter, some 135 uh, ad hoc and, and unscheduled, though it has to be in particular aircraft sizes. Um, but we, we look into all that, and our recruiters are all very experienced in dealing with that. And we, we have very blunt, open conversations with our candidates. We, we try to just lay the truth out from the beginning as much as possible so they know whether they're going to qualify or not and what, what to expect out of it. But coming in as a captain was wonderful because all through training, I was able to get my captain pay, which was important to me. Uh, with the new bonus rolling out, they're actually going to give a bonus up front before or in their first paycheck, which is going to be really, really nice for our pilots because for some of them, it is it is a pay cut. You know, uh, There's some very lucrative corporate jobs out there, and there's guys that want to leave those jobs uh, to come back to the airlines because of the benefits of knowing their schedule, days off. You know, uh, It's what the legacy airlines and a lot of low-cost carriers want is 121 experience. So to be able to come in and get build that captain time is important. Um, as, as the job goes, um, you start off same seniority as the first officers in your class. So you, you do have to wait until your seniority lines up and say your buddies that came in as first officers upgrade to captain, become line holders. You're going to have that same progression. And for us, it's about two years. I've been with the company for, um, trying to think of today's date. I've as been with the company. Watch. <laughs> yeah. Uh, two years and a, a week right now. And that's kind of the, the timeline of how long direct entry captains stay with us is, is right around the two year point, And then they're moving on to, to another carrier and probably their final carrier. And that's what we want to be that, that airline that helps get people to that goal. Um, so moving forward, it's, it's great. Cause I can, I can hold a line. Um, the, the fir the direct entry captain position is, is largely a captain position. You're, you're a captain on your resume, you're a captain in, in everything you do, your duties. We do have you fly as first officer sometimes, and it all depends on how things fall, right? So I was extraordinarily lucky. When I got hired on as a direct entry captain, I spent one month on reserve, and then I spent two months as a line holder. And it was the first time in my entire career 
that I was a line holder, and that is good. That is really what the job is all about, and I got to experience in that, and it was wonderful. Um, and then we upgraded a lot of first officers, and I went back to reserve, and and then you know my seniority holds reserve up until a, a few months ago. Um, on reserve, you're going to fly as a captain and a first officer. Some months you might fly largely as a first officer. Some months you might fly largely as a captain. And it really depends on your seniority. So the guys that got hired with me, we we were very fortunate. We did a lot of captain flying. Guys who got hired um, shortly after me um, and then long after me, they've spent much more time flying as an FO. So seniority is everything. It comes up a lot in this podcast, and it's it's the reality of life. Just know that you're doing what you need to do to move on your next step. You're getting that PIC time, part 121 PIC time. And as your seniority grows, you're going to get more and more of that cap time. And as soon as you become a line holder, it's all captain time. And, and then it's, it's, you're, you're banking very valuable experience at that time and allowing you to make the next step. It's, it's been wonderful. Since you have experience both in the corporate world and also in the airline world, one of the things that's important is building that time so you can move on to, say, a legacy um, or a low-cost carrier. What type of difference is there between hours? So give flesh that out for us. How many hours do you get at, the say, the regional as opposed to on the corporate side? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's incredible. I. You know, I, if you look at my resume, I've I've got fairly low flight time for how many years I've been in the industry. You compare my logbook to my buddy Alan's, who's over at Delta, he's probably got twice the flight time I have. And that's because he went immediately to uh, a regional airline, and they were kind of set up the same way, way we are right now, where he became a line holder very rapidly. And he has thousands of hours, maybe eight, nine, ten thousand hours, where I'm sitting at about... 5,500, 5,600. Um, most of my time flying as a corporate pilot, I would, I would fly probably an average of 250, 300 hours a year, which is actually kind of high uh, for a regional. I had, uh, or for a uh, corporate, when I was flying pure part 91, uh, a really busy year for me was about 400 hours, uh, average year about 225. And it was comfortable. But what people don't understand is, yeah, the hours are low. But I was still going on four-day trips. Just instead of flying 25 hours in a four-day trip, I would fly three or <laughs> or 10. Wow. You know, it, it, it varied quite a bit. You know, there, there were the days where we'd make our runs down to Monterey, Mexico to, to move um, our employees down there and work on the, in the, in the um, factory, spooling up a line or doing whatever they were doing down there. And we would shuttle from Detroit and Chicago down to Monterey and up to San Antonio. In those days, yeah, I'd have days where I'd flew 10 hours because um, we could. It was part 91. And those were long, challenging days. Um, and I'd, I'd build up a lot of flight time in those trips. But then it would be quiet again for a while. And then I'd have some weeks where all I would do is go from St. Louis to Chicago and back. And great flying, but, you know, you do maybe three hours in a day and then you're you're done for a couple days uh the the real nice benefit of flying that pure part anyone flying is you know your schedule typically and unless something bad happens at a factory or to a high-ranking employee or or something your schedule is going to be pretty steady uh, as i moved into the part 135 world my 91 flying was pretty well scheduled 135 if a, if a trip came up that was going to be uh, profitable and, and worth doing, I worked at a fantastic Part 135 company. It was really good. But still, though, if, if, if something came up, 
we would we'd jump on it. And where you thought you might have a day off, it, it's now gone. And if I work into a day off at, at GoJet, they call me, they, they junior man me into something, they have to cop me a day, right? So if I, worked, if I got pushed down to 10 days here off for the month, the following month I would get a credit back, right, or, or this month. So it's, it's nice to have the contractual rules to work within, and that's the huge benefit coming here. Now at, at 121, we've got a lot of pilots to fly right up at that 1,000 hours, 950 hours a year. And if your goal is to get to a legacy airline, something I wish I would have known years ago was just fly. Go to where you can build the flight time the fastest. Get that flight time as fast as humanly possible. If you want to make more money, pick up open time trips. Uh, get to the left seat and build that time. I didn't understand how important being a 121 captain was, um, admittedly. In Part 91, we in, in 135, we do all the flight planning, right? So we know that stuff inside and out. I've, I've retrieved overflight permits for Cuba and uh, overflight permits for uh, uh, Latin American countries. And that stuff that an airline guy will never be exposed to. And just kind of goes over the head. I've done all the uh, EAPIS and, and customs and border patrol paperwork. I, I understand all that stuff because I did it for six years straight for my two companies. And we always, in the corporate world, feel kind of like, why can't we be recognized for that? Well, when you come to the 121 world, you realize how much you're still uh, an instructor at times. Um, how rigid the guidelines we have to operate are. In, in Part 91, if there was a massive line of thunderstorms, I would just route myself around it, no problem. We'd go well around it sometimes, states over, just to just because we just wanted to give what we could. You know, it, it was easy to refile and replan the flight. Part 121, we have to stay within the guidelines of what our dispatchers did, and we get some movement there, but we have to really learn how to um, give an excellent product to our customers and perform for our uh, carriers, right? So we're going to still fly that route between the two cities instead of adding a third city in there or something to, to go well around it. And we still have to give that really smooth ride. We have to um, keep safety in mind through it all and, and make really good decisions. Uh, so there's a lot of value that I didn't understand in being a 121 captain. And now I can see it and I can explain it to people. And it's 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 valu very valuable time to get. And I can understand why legacy and low-cost carriers want us to have that experience now. You talked about time. There's people that are looking at moving on to other airlines. Uh, where do you see them moving at what time frame? Say 8,000 hours, 9,000 hours, about when are they moving out onto the legacies? Uh, it's all over the map. It really is. Uh, a really... Um, Someone who I really value, she's been a, a pilot that I would always bring with me up to my alma mater, UND, to do career fairs and stuff up there, um, just got hired on at United, and she's been with us for three years. So that's, that's quite rapid. Um, you know, most, most pilots, we, we just tell people to plan two to five years at a 121. If you have prior experience, you get to leverage all that, obviously. At that point, it becomes a, a currency thing, right? For me, it's currency. Getting back into the airplane, getting the swing of it, making sure I'm uh, following 121 regs on a regular basis and, and testing myself. Uh, for a new hire, probably plan about five years. And for a, uh, a direct entry captain, it's, it's right around that two-year mark. So, and, and hiring's really been picking up. So, Myrna, is 
you're you're doing quite a bit of hiring out there and you're meeting people all over the country and Jason so are you who who do you think are the happiest say at at GoJets you know is there a certain you know you looked at at people you said that want to fit into your your culture et cetera there who are the ones you you find enjoyed the most there at GoJets as a first officer i think i'm um, coming in and and this goes kind of for everyone is coming in as a first officer at GoJet, having the mindset of being a captain in training. Um, if you have that mindset, especially as a first officer, you are going to do very well. We have some amazing captains here that are so willing to teach and so willing to mentor you throughout your career. And then that makes you to be a better captain, obviously. And then you have that mindset of teaching your FOs coming in once you get over to the left seat. So I definitely think that those who get involved um, seem to be really happy as well. Um, Jason said that he has been here two years, right? Two years in one week. Yeah. <laughs> and um, he, he's assistant chief pilot. So he came in as a direct entry captain. He got involved very quickly in the recruiting department. And then he got involved um, fairly quickly in, in management. So um, those who want to be involved, stay involved. Um, and it's not just being part of the recruiting team. There's so many different opportunities. Um, ambassadors, um, if you are an alma mater at some school or you have, um, you know, I, I had a few pilots who are um, helping run um, flight teams like yourself. Um, having those relationships and utilizing those to um brand GoJet and help build GoJet seem to be the happiest. Um, not everyone is happy. <laughs> and sometimes GoJet is not for everyone. Just like, you know, Delta might not be for everyone. It, it really goes back to that culture thing. But um, it, it's really embracing it and having fun with it. Um, as a former flight attendant, which I, I dearly miss, um, the crew aspect of it and, and having a, a good time. Um, You'll see as you grow through your career as an airline pilot, um, even an aviation professional, as you get um, more and more into your career and maybe to the legacies, you don't have, because obviously bigger companies, um, you don't have that camaraderie as much. And so I think someone who embraces that um, is definitely going to be happier and, and kind of just taking everything for what it is. Um, the airlines is, um, it, it's not perfect. We have to deal with weather that we can't predict. Um, we have to deal with um, a lot of aspects that we can't predict and kind of just taking it day by day. Jason and I were talking earlier about commuting and whatnot, and we kind of had the same mindset of we kind of don't stress it or about flights or non-revving just because – it kind of all just works out if you don't stress it. And that's what makes you happy and not stressing those small things and those variables that are out of your control. I have no idea what time the flight is that I'm going home on today. <laughs> I'll, I'll look at so that. So you're just going to walk over done. there and get on an airplane. Yeah, and I mean, that's, that's one of the great things about this job, right? Uh, I can jump seat on any carrier. Mm -hmm. um, I can non-rev on Delta and United. I can, I can list. And I'm going back to Minneapolis today, so obviously I'll be – uh, hopefully getting on a, a Delta flight. Um, but if not, I've got Sun Country, I've got Spirit uh, that flies directly between here. I think Frontier as well. So I'm in pretty good shape today to, to get home. So I'm, I'm just not stressing about it. I've always been a commuter too, and people stress about commuting. Yeah, your quality of life, if you live in base, is always going to be better. It's, it's immensely better, especially if you're a guy like me who likes to pick up open time and, and, and pad the paycheck a little bit from time to time. You have more opportunities to do that. But I love where I live and I've 
I've, I've lived all over this country moving for aviation jobs. And what got me back to Minnesota was being close to the family. My wife's from there and we adopted my son and we wanted to have him close to family. So for us, it was Minnesota, Wisconsin, Michigan, because I'm from Michigan and somewhere in that region. So we could drive and go see family was very important to us. So I've signed up knowing that I will probably be a commuter for the rest of my career. Even if I'm, I'm fortunate to go to Delta or something, the first couple of years I, I'm there, I would still commute. And if I can hold a, an aircraft that I prefer or, or whatever, I'll probably commute to that as well. So it, it's a mindset you put yourself into. And I actually enjoy the aspect of it. I drive an hour to work in the morning. I listen to my podcasts. I, I then... Uh, walk through security, show my known crew member badge. It's a very quick, easy process. I hop on a flight. I got an hour flight. I watch the Netflix videos that I downloaded or whatever on my flight to work. And then if I'm there early, I go to the crew room and I rest up or I socialize or, or do, do whatever to pass the time. So for me, it, it, or once you put your mindset of the commuting aspect of things, you, you build comfort with it and you, you enjoy it. And I do. It's, maybe it's weird. I don't know. So well, no, I think it's it's that's a great point. Is that if you're somewhere you want to be, uh, you know, I've lived on some islands in the Bahamas, and there was not many airlines based out of there. Yep. So I had to actually get on an airplane and go. If I'm near family or I'm in paradise, I'm going to commute, right? Yeah, and and yeah, that's living St. Thomas it, exactly. <laughs> so that's something that people have the option to do that you don't have in other careers, which is terrific. I know we talk a lot about being in base and I'm in base now, you know, and, and it's awesome being there, but just remember if there's somebody where you want to live, you can commute. It might be a little tougher if you're living in a remote area, but still you can do it. My commute to work was normally about 12 hours to 24 hours. And it, one thing I know commuting is kind of looked down upon in the industry and everyone wants to be home-based. I totally agree with Jason. I was home-based for the first two years as a flight attendant and flight attendants have it a lot harder than pilots do than, than, to commute, especially regional um, flight attendants just because we didn't have access to some of the major um, jump seats. Um, so it's very nice to be home base, but I will guarantee if you want to be an airline pilot for the rest of your life, you will, and you want to move on, you will have to commute at some point in your career. And you definitely don't want to start commuting and figuring out how to commute when you're at a legacy or a low cost carrier or your career airline, um, because that's going to be the hardest. So um, if you have the opportunity um, to be home base, great. Don't kind of get spoiled with it because if you want to go on to the majors, you're probably, or the low-cost carriers, you're probably going to have to commute. And don't be afraid of it. There's so many, especially at the regional level, they kind of give you an intro to it because um, in the past three years, there have been this really great commuter policies that that companies have put in place. Um, GoJet definitely has one we give um, hotel rooms. Um, for commuting purposes to our commuter pilots. So you skip the crash pad, which I think that's and the most... They're nice hotels. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the the biggest downfall of, of commuting sometimes is having that thought of a crash pad. Um, they're, they're never fun, but sometimes they're necessary. So the regionals are most... A lot of the regionals are doing that now and, and being very creative with the commuter policies. So it kind of gives you an intro to commuting um, at the majors. You, unless things change, you probably won't have that. Um, so if you figure it out at the, the regionals and be creative and start getting creative that at that time, 
once you get on, you know, to your career um, airline, you'll be set on how to commute. Um, there's so many different ways. Um, I think a lot of people forget about the FedEx and UPS that can commute on. Um, the, you know, there's just so many different ways to commute and, and to be creative and having those commuter policies really, really help. So I, I think what you're saying also is don't limit your choices based on the airline because they're in your hometown. Absolutely. Yeah, but we'll we'll also let you know, like uh, we've been doing a lot, and I, I know we'll talk about it soon, but we've been doing a lot of hiring from the military, and I'll get pilot candidates that just want to live in Pensacola, you know, or Panama City, and I, I'll tell them to look at a different carrier because that commute would be an absolute nightmare. You know, two legs, um, two heavy travel legs, lots of, lots of um, fluctuations in the... Uh, aircraft availability along the routes. So we'll, we won't sugarcoat it. We'll, we'll tell you, you know, that's a difficult commute. You should probably consider looking at someone else. And usually by doing that, you, you get referrals from that person. I've, I've had a couple people that I've, I've done that for, and then they'll send people to me as a recruiter because they know that I'm going to tell them the truth, which, which I think is valuable. So do you have people commute from Florida? Just curious. Oh yeah. Florida, Florida is heavily commuted. Yes. Because it's a wonderful place to live. It's, it's, it's not one degree like it is I, where you I are. Think industry wide, I think probably more pilots live in Florida than anywhere else. You're so right. it's it's uh, it's a major commuter state. Yeah, it, it sure is. Uh, before we move on to what you said about the military, uh, I'd like to touch on other careers in at GoJets, and uh, it's like we said, it's not just about the the pilots. There's also flight attendant careers. Are you folks hiring flight attendants? Yes. Okay. And uh, and is that something, say they want to move on to a major, is this maybe a stop for some of them? Oh, yeah, definitely. Okay. Yes. So they're going to gain some good experience. Customer service, I think, is very, very important. Uh, having, I know, uh, you know, helping people move on to the majors, especially in the flight attendant field, that customer service is incredibly important. Yeah. And what's what's great is being able to recognize them for that, too. Um, I, I was We have an internal thing here at GoJet called uh, Above and Beyond. And I had a, a just phenomenal flight attendant. We had uh, had an issue where we had a last-minute swap, and our aircraft was equipped to do a, a short flight after our current flight that we're on. And it was originally supposed to do a long one or whatever. I, I can't remember the details of it, but she took notice of the uh, galley being equipped wrong. And something that I, I think a lot of people kind of maybe would have overlooked or maybe not noticed because you're you're thinking ahead of the next leg already in a leg that you're not operating, but we knew where that airplane was going to go. And she took note of it and passed it along to me, and we were able to coordinate with uh, um, operations and with the, the next airport, and we found out that the the swap what, it wasn't for the plane we were on. It was for the swap that was going to happen in the next city. And we arranged to have the catering cart swapped. Uh, for those next flights so that our customers were going to be appropriately served, um, especially in first class, because that's, that's the big hurdle was we didn't have the crew meals. So I nominated her further, and she won the award this last, this last quarter. And that's something that she'll get to take with her to the next level if she wants to go to uh, United or, or Delta or something like that. You know, she's got this, um, this uh, example of rising above and it gives you the opportunity to hone your skills that's one thing um, but you are representing those legacy airline values you're as far as the public's concerned you are a united airlines or a delta airlines flight attendant and they're held to the same standards uh, right now we're teaching all of our flight attendants the core four principles that united is implementing 
and as they go through their recurrent, they're they're going to learn all those. So they're going to know them cold, just like a, a mainline flight attendant will. So it helps better prepare them for that next step. And I, I'm going to give the microphone to Myrna because she was a flight attendant. She can talk about it more. But what I love is the, the small size of our crew bases. We have maybe 100 pilots in each base. So that'd be 100 flight attendants, 120 flight attendants per base, probably on average. You get to know them. You get to build relationships with them. Um, and building relationships with crew members allows you to um, get good feedback on how you're doing, to um, find people that are going to help recommend you for the next level, make those connections. So I, I think that's very valuable. As a flight attendant, Myrna, you truly are the ambassador for the airline and uh, whoever you're working for. And I think that's important for people to know. Uh, and that's something I'm assuming that you folks uh, stress in your training. Absolutely. Um, we have you know, as flight attendants at, for a regional airline, we have to re represent and be at the standard of our partner. And so we have to carry from uniform standards to um, announcements to how we serve, the way we serve, what we serve. It all has to be the same. So, yes, we're not in, um, you know, a 730 or an Airbus <laughs> with, you know, a whole um, crew of flight attendants, um, you know, we are solo. And I think that gives so much valuable experience. Um, for every 50 passengers, you have to have one flight attendant. From my experience, I was always on an aircraft that was 50 seats or below. And so, you know, having that that full responsibility on yourself and, you know, having the help of the pilots at the regional level is just so imperative and, and all of them are always willing to help with if you have an issue, um, which is really nice. But it's a good stepping stone. I know a lot of people who've gone on to um, other carriers or dream carriers as flight attendants. Um, being a flight attendant, having a VP of some other air carrier on their flight and just being personable or giving great customer service, that VP gave them their card and said, hey, if you wanna work, at this carrier, send me your resume. I will put it through. So it's definitely very, very valuable to, you know, everyone and and to have that great customer service. It sure is, and that's a great example. Now that you brought it up, one of the you know the brass tacks here is I want to get to another airline. Probably most people uh, don't. I know some people do make careers at GoJets, but who's hiring from GoJets? Um, we have. I mean, we're pretty diverse. Um, we have. Path programs with um, Spirit, Atlas, Mountaineer Cargo. Am I missing one? That's it right okay, now. that's and, and then we also have yes, and then we also have being a Delta Connection carrier. We have the Delta um, Resume Review program as well. But um, we're pretty diverse, and, and as far as where our pilots are going, um, I'll give it to Jason. Yeah, I've been I've been watching it fairly closely lately, and. Uh, as of recently, we've had quite a few pilots go over to Frontier. Uh, I know United has, uh, we've, I've seen a couple uh, resignation letters come in recently for United, which is really exciting because the hiring over there has been a little bit slow for the last couple of years, so it's nice to see that uptick. Um, we've had quite a few go to the major cargo carriers. Um, it seems that they really like to have uh, additional experience for those pilots, so we've, we've seen FedEx, UPS hiring. Uh, obviously a lot from Atlas. Atlas hires quite a few of our pilots through the, the program that we have. Um, to, to set yourself apart is so important in this industry, and that's lar a large reason why I chose GoJet, too, was it's very small and has a ton of movement. I am 50% up the seniority list in two years here. 
on the overall seniority list. Uh, if I was still, if I was a first officer, I would be trying to think. My sim partner is Detroit-based from initial hiring, and I think he sits seven from the top in Detroit as a first officer. So the movement's incredible, and what that allows for is kind of a, a constant movement of positions as well. So you can become a union safety officer or, um, you know, go the route I went. I, I was a... Uh, for for a short time, I was doing recruiting and I was on the safety committee for the union. And then I had stepped down from the safety committee position to do assistant chief pilot. But to have those opportunities to set yourself apart from the rest of the pilot population and say, hey, I've done more. I've I've uh, expanded my horizons a bit. I've, I'm, a, I'm a great crew member, but I've also added safety. I understand ASAP far better than I ever did or AQP uh, if you're in the training department or, or whatever. We have a ton of those opportunities here because of the movement. We have a seniority list of about 580 pilots. We hire um, 25 to 30 pilots a month. So, and that's purely for attrition. We One, one great benefit of GoJet is we have consistently grown the airline. We've never decreased in our size. It's always been slow constant growth which is which is really nice um and we we take we don't bite off more than we can chew as an airline so right now all of our movement is attrition based and we're proud of that we freely embrace that we are trying our hardest to set you up for that next step we want you to gain your skills become a a great crew member and and move on and then refer pilots back to us so that we can we can do the same thing for them uh I think 160, 170 of the pilots we hired last year came with internal referrals on them. So that's $10,000 per pilot that we pay out for the internal person to uh, recommend and mentor them. And then that pilot uh, will hopefully refer some people in for the next year. And it, it, most, of our, most of our hiring actually does come from internal recommendations, which I, I'm proud of as well. And that's a great testament to your doing a great job uh, the company and you folks recruiting and uh, hats off to that because that tells you something about the culture of people are referring internally especially um, one of the things too that I think is important to people is uh, the fact that they might think about a career at a, at a regional say they they also want to stay in that base you know you talk about being based somewhere and it's they're a little bit older possibly so two things do you do you find people that are changing careers and and a little bit later in life and are and do you have people that are staying at that location and staying at gojets yeah I mean, we fully embrace that as well um, it's it's a smaller part of our population obviously most people want to come in and and build a couple years experience and then move on but especially for anybody that lives in St. Louis, it's it's a great opportunity to to stay there. You know, move into the training department, uh, move into the the management positions where you've got uh, a little bit more responsibility, or you have something to do beyond just flying an aircraft. Right. So there are some people that stay. Uh, just yes. to want to clarify that. And yeah, and, and we love it when they stay. And, <laughs> you know, bottom line too, it helps us as well. It's it's nice to not constantly be doing always new hire training because new hire training is expensive and and takes a lot of resources to do. Uh, so we do value having people stand for a long time. We have a good po- population that does that. Uh, one thing you brought up is you said people are older. We, we get a lot of people who are concerned with 
you know, hey, I'm 55, 60 years old, you know, do you even want to talk to me? Yes, we do. And, and actually, we really value that. My sim partner, I think, was 56, 57 years old. He's a career changer, came from, you know, he had a, a private pilot license and slowly built his time up over the years, did a little bit of flying and some little business jets and some other things. And then uh, his family business was being sold and he wanted to do something more. And he is loving life at, at GoJet. And he's, 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 I, I haven't had the opportunity to fly with him yet, but I hope I get to fly with him before he upgrades because going through training with him was amazing, uh, getting to be his mentor and, and help him through training because there's a lot. You're, you're learning a very fast aircraft. Uh, you know, it's, it's a lawn dart. We joke about that a lot. It does not like slowing down. Um, uh, dealing with the electronics and the advanced systems, and then you throw in an iPad, uh, you know, for all of our charts, which someone my age or under, it's a piece of cake. You know, we grew up with the stuff. But when it might be the first time you've ever held an iPad, you, you don't have an iPhone, it's, it's a lot to take in. So there's a, a challenge there, but we love getting those pilots because, one, we know they're probably going to stay on until they're forced into retirement, which is fantastic. So those folks, uh, I think they sometimes are nervous, you know, the, the older folks, the folks that are doing the career changing. Um, one of the things I tell them is get a lot of IFR time and don't be nervous. But also something that is, it seems a lot of the folks that are, uh, I shouldn't call them older, a little more seasoned, a little more experienced, that uh, they don't think they can talk to people at the airline. They, and they, I hear this all the time, like, when do I start? talking to the regional when do i talk to go jets what would your answer be i would say as soon as possible as soon as it comes a thought in your mind that you want to get into the industry and be an airline pilot um that's part of the industry right now is those career changers who you know when they started their career in airlines, it was one very expensive. Um, there weren't a lot of jobs. It was very, very competitive. And so um, they had to support their families and they had to do whatever they had to do to make sure they maintained their household. And so they went into other industries and now they're retiring from those industries and those companies. And, you know, hey, I have my pilot's license. Um, <laughs> I, I, what can I do with this? You know, I've always wanted to be an airline pilot. Um, the kids are, you know, graduated. They're out the house. So, you know, I don't have to be home and I can have that flexibility in my schedule. And my my fa my wife loves to travel. So, you know, on our off days, we can travel. So, you know, we're, we're getting a lot of those. And, you know, as soon as it comes to a point of this could be realistic for you and your lifestyle and your family life and your personal life. Talk to a recruiter. Um, go, you know, research the companies and email us. And um, if you see or go to a career fair in your area, even if it's a school career fair, sometimes they open it up to alumni or just general public that you can actually come in and register as someone and, and just talk to us. Um, we're always going to be very honest with you. We're always going to, you know, tell you, you know, educate you. Um, that's part of my job is educating you, educating you on the hours and the requirements, educating you on the lifestyle and just making sure it's a good fit because it is going to be a huge transition from a nine to five that some of these um, career changers are um, are experiencing. But I, I get all the time, like Jason said, yeah, I'm 55, I'm, I'm 57, you know, 
And my response, are you 21 to 65? You know, <laughs> 65 is the reg. So, you know, I, I've hired in my past um, a 63-year-old. Um, and he was able to um, fly for two years, always wanted to be an airline pilot, able to fly and retired on his 65th birthday um, with us. So it's it's never too late if you're obviously in that time frame. Um, even if you are above 65 and you want to still be in the industry and, you know, maybe you're at over that age or you were at a 135 or whatnot, um, look into opportunities to instruct in 121. Um, a lot of instructors, um, you know, either don't have their medical or, or over the age, and so, but that's still able to be in the realm and in teaching and in the sim and, and whatnot. So there's a lot of opportunities, even if you're over that 65 age. So um, don't don't get scared. <laughs> one thing that I've seen is people coming into the 121 world because sometimes the barrier to entry is a little bit lower than some of the local corporate pilot jobs or something. So they might know someone locally who says, hey, I'd love to have you here, but for insurance reasons or something, we need to have you have more experience. Go find somewhere to get some jet time. And 121 carriers across the board, regionals are able to provide that. So they might fly for us for two years, you know, hire someone that's 63 and pick up 1,500, 1,800 hours in those two years and then go to that corporate job that they wanted at their age 65 retirement. And then they can continue to do that for a while. Um, I would encourage too, as long as you have your instrument rating and private pilot license with, with us at least, you're eligible to be in our cadet program. And there's no age cap on that whatsoever. So you can come participate and, and get to know us on a pretty intimate level, really. Um, I'm, I'm doing one for the rotor transition program tomorrow in St. Louis. And for the next three days, we, we take them. We um, take them out to some real casual dinners. Uh, we, we provide all the food and housing and everything while you're out there. And the same for the cadet program is what we do for the rotor transition program. We let you fly the simulator. Um, we give you a lot of face-to-face -face time with the leadership of the airline. So you get to meet myself, the chief pilot, director of operations, a lot of the training personnel, uh, recruiters. And we are... I, we're, we're, we're very open and honest. So it's an, it's an awesome opportunity for you to come in and, and really see what the airline's all about and see the personnel and, and experience and make a decision to see if we are a good fit for you because you're interviewing us as well and we know that. So uh, come out for two days, enjoy the program, and then we give you the opportunity to enroll fully into the Wingman program, which will do a background check on you. And then we actually set you up with... Um, travel benefits with one of our mainline carriers. It's not the same benefits that we have flying the line. There's some limitations to it, but it's it's there and it's available for you. And we have some people that don't utilize it at all. And then we have other people like one of our wingman, Nick, who goes to Europe, you know? So it's it's a, it's a great program. Man, that sounds awesome. Boy, what an opportunity for somebody. Now, how about, I, I know we talked about older folks, but how about the, the teenagers here, like the, the Central Florida Aerospace Academy? Uh, is it too early for them to talk to you? Well, I'll go back to Nick on that. Nick Nick is uh, one of our wingmen. He's out in San Diego, and he got involved in the wingman program as soon as he had his private pilot and instrument rating, and he was very young at the time. I don't know, 18, 19 years old, something like that. So legally, he can't even work for us till he's 21. Um, but he's he's been so great, and he's such a great advocate for the airline. He's extraordinarily involved in organizations all across the country. Um, I hope he's listening to this because he deserves a shout out. He's he's really got a bright future ahead of him. Um, we love bringing him to events. Uh, I brought him up to an event in Alaska, and we worked the event, 
and it was a, a short event. So after the event, we hopped in the rental car and we went did a little hiking in the mountains and checked out some views. He's from San Diego. He'd never touched snow before, so he he got to do that. Um, but we bring him to these events. He's he's getting to meet industry um, leaders. He's he's um, in contact with people not just at our airline, but airlines all over the place and organizations all over. Um, now, if, if you're someone who gets involved at a very young age, getting into a program like this really gives you the ability to uh, network. And we all know how important networking is in this industry and to be able to do it from such a young age. I would not be surprised if he is at a legacy airline by the age of 24, 25. He's, he's probably one of those people that will do that. Well, we'll be following that. We definitely want to follow up on, yeah. on him. because well, we're Facebook friends, so yeah, exactly. I'm, I, I'll stay in touch <laughs> with him, yeah. You know, we're uh, running up on our time here, but I do want to get to a couple things. You mentioned the Rotor Transition Program. That's something really important, especially for the listeners here, listeners here at Aviation Careers Podcast. A lot of folks interested in that. So explain how someone could apply yeah. for that program. I love the Rotor Transition Program. Um, we, we talked before the podcast quite a bit about just the, the quality of the pilots that we're getting out of there, the quality of the human beings that we're getting. And it's it's uh it's rewarding for us to hire from them and we're getting amazing candidates and uh they're actually spending some of them quite quite a short amount of time with us I, I, one of our rotor transition pilots nine months i think with us and he's over at JetBlue. um had one go to american at about the same timeline and it's exciting to see that that rapid progress um what we do is we will take a rotor transition pilot into consideration as low as 500 hours we will interview them uh, you know we have the open house that we're doing tomorrow we're, we've got 16 candidates at that and we provide them up to $51,000 in funding so pretty much if, if they fit into the personality of our airline if, if we think that they're going to be an asset to us and and they've got the knowledge and the um, drive to to be one of our pilots at that point, we invest heavily into them. So you could have zero hours fixed wing time, and that's fine as long as you can prove to us that you are going to, to be a great employee for us. Um, we'll then allow them to choose whatever flight school they want to work with. And there are a wide range of schools. There's, there's some that they'll utilize VA benefits, and, and that's great for the candidate because any money that they don't spend on the rotor transition program, we're still going to pay to them as a bonus. So the lower they can keep that cost down for them, it's it's wonderful. It's a great opportunity. And then they can come in and, and take less of a pay cut. Some of, these, some of these pilots are quite well compensated in the military. Um, we give them the ability to start their training a year out before they um, leave the military. And the great thing about that is if they're based somewhere in the state, say they live in uh, Manhattan, Kansas, they're over at Fort Riley, they're able to train with our partner Flex Air or something like that. And and they can still be collecting their paycheck but have their funding or their training provided to them through Flex Air by us and do that just down the road from their house. So when they're done with their work shift or whatever they're doing with the military, they can go knock out some flying or, you know, do some time building on the weekend or whatever so that when they have six months left to go of their military commitment, they're able to come in and take advantage of our early seniority program. And we only allow pilots to do our early seniority program who are in the military or if they're coming from another carrier. So what we do with that is once you're fully qualified as a new hire, so you have all of the requirements of restricted ATP, you come up to St. Louis for two days. We, we fly in the day before, and then you do uh, a one-day 
uh, ground school, which is the introductory day for us. So that's when we take care of all the paperwork. That's a, a very boring day and, and somewhat chaotic, but we're doing the fingerprinting, the drug testing, um, starting the background check process and all that. And once that's complete, um, you're able to return back to your base. And from that point forward, you are accruing seniority. So um, when you come back a month later, you've got 30 people behind you on the seniority list. When you come back six months later, you have over 100. And that makes an incredible quality of life difference. So, you know, I, I mentioned earlier, I've been here two years, and I'm halfway up the seniority list. So six months, that's going to put you quite a ways up, you know, 10 15% up the seniority list, which means you'll probably get the base choice you want. Um, if you're going to any of our bases that are junior, you're going to go straight in as a line holder, you know, because by the time you finish training, you're at nine months seniority, and that's that's quite a ways up the list. Rotor transition program. We talked a lot about the military. How about those folks that have a lot of time flying to the oil rigs and our civilians? Oh, they're fantastic. Yeah, I uh, I just hired um, a candidate into the rotor transition program that's been flying civilian. Um, done everything from oil rigs and up in Alaska he's doing rigs um, a random rescue mission from time to time because that's just how it works in northern Alaska um, a lot of flying over in the Middle East um, had pilots that we've taken that have uh, been rotor uh, instructors you know whatever we're, we're interested in civilian and in uh, and in military so that's important to to make note of so one thing that that I, I did a few months ago was, we, we really want to be able to gauge where you are in your, in your knowledge and your drive to work for us. Um, there's, there's an excellent group out there called uh, uh, Rotary to Airline Group, RTAG for short. And I, I say look them up. I think it's rotarytoairlinegroup.org. Uh, their Facebook page is great. But check that out. And if you go to their, their main website, you'll see a post, the official GoJet guide to interviewing. And that's, that's an article I put together a few months ago to, to tell you what to expect. And it, and it helps, it, it explains what we're looking for as far as flight times goes um, and really helps you come in organized to the interview so that we can figure out where you're at, where you need to go, help make all of our calculations because there's a lot of flight time breakdowns that we have to figure out. So it's all laid out there. But then it also explains to you on the airline side what we need out of the candidate. So I've given you an outline of how to prepare for an interview read it, review it, study it, because those are, it's going to give you the setup of what you need to study and prepare for the interview. So that's, it's a great tool to look at before you come in. We actually just started sending it out to everybody now. Um, and we've, we've written a civilian one as well. So it, it, you'll get it anyway, if you're going to interview with us, but go check it out and help organize and, and give you a setup of what to expect, no matter what carrier you're going to, it, it should work out. And they can find this information at gojetairlines.com. And careers. <laughs> slash careers, yes, and there, there's so much on there. But uh, before we have any closing remarks, just to remind people, if you have questions, feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com, we will send them along. And also, we definitely want to have you folks back on the podcast. We're going to get a ton of questions after this. Awesome. Well, we really enjoyed it. I, one thing I just hope that everyone gets from um, Jason and I and you, Carl, is that um, if you are a pilot, you have a lot of opportunity Please, please don't think that, you know, because of the experience that you have as a pilot does not count, whether it's helicopter, whether it's military, whether it was from 20 years ago. If you want to be a pilot and you 
have the credentials and, and the requirements. You have a lot of opportunity, especially at the regional levels. And um, we have so many programs to help those who um, want to pursue their pilot careers do that. Um, talk to us, you know, email us. Um, I hope that um, hopefully, I'm sure you'll link our information that they can contact us directly. Um, go to our website and, you know, any question, ask us because we are so, um, our whole team is very, very knowledgeable on all of the regulations, all of the upgrade times, all of the time. If you're a, a helicopter pilot, what you need to do exactly to become a fixed wing pilot. Um, it, I, I know so many helicopter pilots that were so afraid, as you were saying earlier with the older pilots, um, to how to get into it, um, you know, and, it, and it's we break it down so easily for you that we'll give you the tools and everything if this is something you really want to do. So all pilots, please follow your follow your dreams, get into the industry. It's really fun. It's, it, it's a great industry. Do you remember 2008? Oh yeah. <laughs> so one one thing that I've seen an uptick of lately, and I, I think it's really exciting. In 2008, the the economy took a big downturn, uh, and aviation was hit hard, especially the airlines. And we had a lot of pilots who went overseas. Um, we also had a lot of pilots who just left the industry. They were done because uh, it was really slow leading up to that. Movement was slow. Upgrade times were seven, eight, nine years. Um, so they kind of lost touch with it. And uh, a, a nice group of pilots that I've had the opportunity to talk to lately are the people who got furloughed in 2008, were, were done with it, and went and started a business, went and did something else. I, I hired a cabinet maker the other day, or I guess a couple of months ago now, and he's he's been loving it. Um, times have changed. It's it's There's a, a, a rapid movement. Uh, you get to the seniority level that you were probably at in 2008, again, really quickly, and it's... it's um, I've, I've had a blast. It's, it's been a lot of fun coming back. So if you have been out of the industry for eight, nine, ten years, you know, yeah, you're going to have to spend a little bit, go get that BFR, that IPC, get yourself back up to speed. But don't be afraid to put your application in because uh, we'll talk to you. We'll explain what we need out of you. Um, we'll, we'll help you get to where you need to be to come back and, and come back to that job you love with the incredible views and the 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 fun people to work with and, and get you out of that cubicle or whatever you're in now well i tell you it's a it's an amazing time like you said and that, that those are some great comments and you've really inspired myself and i'm sure you inspired somebody who's listening right now and uh don't forget if you're listening feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com we will send that all along we also have a lot of those graphics we talked about the airlines have been hiring it's on their website we'll put it up on ours all the different transition programs we'll have links to the careers uh gojetairlines.com slash careers all the different things that you're interested in we'll have it out there this has been so terrific having both of you here and i really appreciate that i'm sure we're going to get a lot of questions and we'd love to have you back on again i hope you visit again Thank you. Yeah, the, the wintertime is great for me. <laughs> yeah, we'll definitely have you come back down to Florida. I'll come up there uh, in the summertime. How's that sound? There you go. Well, folks, if you're listening right now, uh, these two people have really been inspiring. They've also been very informational and, and very transparent here at GoJet Airlines, uh, something that's important to me, and that's why we have them here on the podcast. But something important, too, that you noticed from both of their comments was that you need to take action. You need to do something. Do something today. Do something now to move forward in your career. Maybe it's researching GoJet Airlines, listening to this podcast, going to one of their seminars or any of the events that they have, any airline 
mind does. But I want you to do that. I want you to do that today. I'll say flying. We'll talk to you next episode. You have been listening to Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. This aviation podcast is produced by the Valeri Aviation Corporation. Although hosts or guests may receive compensation for products and services discussed in this podcast, compensation never influences our opinion. Before purchasing any product or service, you should always do your own research. Music by Billy Wheeler, all rights reserved.